everyone, and welcome back to Great Quarter Gals. Um, don't be confused. Don't be alarmed. Uh, Kaylee is not here today taking a much-needed vacation. The amount of work that that girl does, she should have the whole month off. But today, it's just going to be uh, Great Quarter Grace, uh, diving into a couple of financial headlines for you guys, and then having a wonderful guest on, another woman in technology, woman in leadership within freight uh, tech and, and freight global shipping as well. So um, should be a really fun episode for you guys today. And hopefully you don't miss Kaylee too much, but we got to give that girl a break. That's for sure. Um, diving right into it today, we're going to talk about a couple of really interesting stocks that I want you guys to watch. You probably noticed a little bit of activity. Well, quite a lot of activity from them last week after earnings were announced. Uh, the first one we're going to dive into is Shopify. So uh, we had a really great article from Freightways.com on their earnings last Wednesday. Um, and right after their earnings, they actually had a huge dip, about 18% in their stock. And really what happened is um, they are, are seeing less growth. Um, one of their company representatives came out and said, you know, why we believe that COVID triggered acceleration of e-commerce that spilled into the first half of 2021 in the form of lockdowns and, of course, government stimulus. Uh, we will be abs that will be absent in 2022. There's a caution around inflation, which we've all been talking about. Uh, consumer spend near term and for the full year, we see economic growth supporting the continued penetration of retail by e-commerce. So, really, what they're saying here is, you know, as we continue to have um, issues with with COVID, we're not going to be seeing as much stimulus and, and as much um, government subsidies as we've seen in the past. I mean, look at a lot of our consumers that are around my age. Uh, we're going to be having to start to pay student loans back soon. I know a number of us start our own businesses um, and really start our own entrepreneurial experiences, um, which has started to slow down for Shopify as well. So um, really what people saw here was, you know, we're not going to see as much growth as we've seen from this company in the past. They also um, did note that they see a huge opportunity in social channels as metaverse and different type of shopping experiences come to play. They expect to be a part of those as well. And of course, you know, continue to see e-commerce growth in the future. Uh, but I think we're going to see a lot uh, slower growth than we've seen from this company in the past. And then, of course, you know, in November, as you guys can see, if we can pull up Shopify's uh, ticker over the last six months, um, they hit their peak at about $1,778 in November. And then the company just recently announced that they're going to be making some very strategic investments in their fulfillment strategies. Uh, which is great. But again, when we see companies starting to focus on, of course, their supply chains, that means huge areas of investment. I, I assume that they will pay off in the long run. And I think um, a number of people that use Shopify are going to be happy to see a better fulfillment system behind the company. We've even seen Shopify uh, in recent rounds that we've reported on when it comes to different e-commerce and retail um uh, technologies that focus on fulfillment. So it's just one thing that we need to watch from them is, you know, over time, where are those fulfillment strategies starting to pay off? And, um, you know, how are they going to be powering their growth into this next year? Note that um, when Shopify did actually uh, report their earnings, that doesn't include that Christmas time 
um, period. So we will see in their next earnings statement more of the the spend from the holidays um, take place for that. But um, it is it is interesting to note as we've seen them invest in different technologies. You know, this this revenue growth it will begin to slow down for them as well. Uh, another one of our favorites that we've talked about at this show and on point of sale as well is DoorDash. Um, I'm a big fan of DoorDash. I'm really, really interested in one thing that they focused on in this earnings call, which is different verticals that they're starting to enter. Um, they're not just focused on uh, delivery of, of foods for restaurants. They're starting to look into different avenues, including beauty, uh, makeup, and groceries and convenience stores as well. Um, I've noticed too recently that DoorDash has really been supporting a lot of companies' um, uh, fulfillment strategies. So for instance, uh, Panera's one. When you do delivery through Panera, a lot of times DoorDash is the company that's delivering that. Um, if you're working or if you order from a grocery store, uh, you can usually go through ship or some type of delivery from that grocery store directly, or you can go through DoorDash as well. So they're really uh, focused on creating some type of footprint in each of those verticals. Uh, but when they reported last Wednesday, um, they did surpass their estimated revenue growth for the quarter, which was $1.28 million, which actually ended up being $1.3 million. But again, just like Shopify, they're slowing on that revenue growth overall. Um, they did have a study come out that showed that they um, are the leading consumer and spend uh, retention within, they are leading in consumer and spend retention throughout all third-party delivery companies. Um, and that uh, I do want to dive deeper into that um, study because I, I know it was from a, a, a third party that was unnamed. But it's interesting to show that they are on top of their strategy, making sure that they are active in what consumers want. 14% of their monthly active users place orders in non-restaurant vertical. They can continue growing that segment. You could see that growth that we've originally seen from them start to come back. Um, Ulta, like I said, Ulta Beauty is a huge partnership that they just recently announced. And for anyone in the makeup world, we all know that Fenty, Rihanna's line, just actually came out that they're going to be stocked in Ulta as well. So I think that's a, a great partnership for them to be focused on. And I'm interested to see if they start diving deeper into beauty brands, uh, including Sephora and things like that here in the near future. Uh, but those are a couple of stocks for you guys to watch, a couple of our, our nice little finance uh, segments. And really what I wanted to dive into is kind of a... Uh, <laughs> Reoccurring subject from our last week, right? We focused on the global supply chain. And I thought that I would bring on a really great leader within global supply chain, Caitlin Murphy. She's actually the founder and CEO of uh, Gateway Global Logistics. And what's interesting about Caitlin is she, you know, had spent many of her years in freight forwarding in the past and then, of course, started her own business. And just recently was appointed to the Missouri Supply Chain Task Force. So, Caitlin, thank you so much for being on the show with us today. I think this would be a really interesting discussion, especially a little bit off of the ins and out of the industry that we discussed last week and get to know you personally and what got you here today. <laughs> yeah, thanks so much, Grace. Yeah, of course. And so let's dive into it. I The biggest thing I want to know is, you know, I think there's a lot of really strong not just even females, but just strong leaders within this industry who have learned so much about whether 
just freight brokerages or maybe even fulfillment uh, or freight forwarding like yourself and want to start their own venture, but maybe are, you know, just kind of concerned on how to do that. When did you know it was time for you to kind of venture off on your own and, and start your own business? I would say it definitely took years of experiencing positions at different companies, at different levels of positions. Um, I actually, you know, I joke that it was almost kind of like the Goldilocks of freight scenario where I tried, you know, I, I had positions at very, very large freight forwarders, at the medium size, at the very small family owned, um, and then took on different roles at each, like director of business development and then operations. So, you know, to me, I felt that at at all of these opportunities that I had had, there was sort of this same approach to freight forwarding and none of it was tech forward. It was very reactive um, and really it did not lead with educating importers and exporters on best practices, on making sure that there's advancement for women in logistics. And honestly, it, it just so happened that, you know, um, I had a really bad experience with, um, you know, a leader who just kind of said, you know, basically, well, why do you need to succeed? You know, you, this is a, a basic job for you. And so I immediately thought, there's no way, how can I ever create a path of advancement for women in logistics if I don't have the ability to do so here? And so that's, you know, that's really the impotence of, of why I started Global Gateway Logistics. I love that you took that discouragement and turned it into something really powerful. And, it, you know, it's it's interesting. I think that's the overlying problem a lot of times in different leadership yeah. positions and in this industry, and honestly, probably in others as well, where, um, you know, you don't, instead of pushing those that you see who could do something bigger in life and, and supporting them, you, you kind of push down on them. And I think that just has the opposite effect in the long run. So I'm glad that you that was motivated you to get where you are today. And, you know, I, I have experience in brokerage, right? More of like the domestic sling and flee on trucks all day long type of thing. Freight forwarding <laughs> is global shipping. Seems like a whole other beast. Like how, what is the hardest part about starting a freight forwarding business, especially in, in an environment like we're seeing today? Absolutely. It's a great question. Um, a word to the wise, do not, Think about starting a freight forwarding business if you don't have a right tech option in mind in the forefront or a, a transportation management system, as we call it in the industry, and really capital. Um, you know, I, I laugh that, honestly, I think the hardest part of a freight forwarding business is the consistent capital requirements. We, you know, whether it's on the incoming or the outgoing, you're in the beginning of a freight forwarding business, you're constantly trying to manage that, right? Um, and for us, it, it took many years. It was not easy. It took a lot of, you know, trying to massage payment terms and trying to make sure that, you know, that vendors were paid on time, but that we collected on time. So, you know, even after five years, I would still say capital is probably the hardest part of running a freight forwarding business. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny. You could you could focus on getting like the best sales rep in the whole world. Right. But yeah. as you, right. As you start growing, you start to realize like, Oh, there are bad customers, <laughs> right? Not every customer is good. If yeah. they're not going to pay on time or they're, they're out there, trust me, then you, there's the time where you have to unfortunately say no. So that's an yeah. interesting one to point out. If you could go back to like year one of starting your business, what is, 
like a hiccup that you experienced that you would just completely change or just do over again? Yeah. Do not bend on payment terms. Um, you know, <laughs> to that note, we learned our lesson and I'm a big believer in, and I don't even call them failures. I just call them lessons. We had a really tough, brutal lesson, um, you know, when we were quite young as a company that we wanted that client so bad and we were going to do anything, even if it meant like not sleeping at night because of capital issues, because we were allowing, you know, what was net 30 payment terms they were actually doing net 120. And as a small freight forwarding operation in the beginning, you don't have that type of capital to bankroll someone's entire logistics operations, right? And so, you know, going back to year one, I wish I would have told myself, there will be other clients, there'll be other clients that respect payment terms that work well under your your requirements as well as you under theirs. Um, And I think in the beginning of any startup, you're so desperate for sales and for business and for, for that income generation that you can sometimes put the blinders on, on, on best business practices. Yeah. It's uh, Cassandra Gaines and I have this running joke that uh, logistics companies are just banks that we're floating terms for about 30 to 45 days. So, you know, every uh, logistics startup leader out there, like look me dead in the eyes right now. Go talk to your accounting department. Go figure out who are the worst customers they have and figure out how much time that they're spending on bringing yeah. in that revenue. Because yeah. I can't tell you, there might be a customer you're making a decent, you know, 8 to 10% margin, but you start putting in all of the minutiae of right. callbacks and negotiating terms that it just, it, it, all of a sudden you'll find that you're really making, you might be losing on that customer as a whole. So it's not, it's ultimately we walked that walk and yeah, Grace, that's what, that's what happened to us is we, we did take a hard look at it and said, you know, we're going to take a huge risk by ending this relationship, but I'm faithful that the service we provide is top notch and that there will be other clients. And almost immediately, once we kind of put aside that, those stressors, we opened up the doors and, you know, we really were realized that, wow, there were a lot of other amazing companies that wanted to work with us that, you know, we weren't paying attention to at the time because we were so focused on that issue. Um, so just, yeah, word to the wise, to the, the beginners in the industry, just make sure that, you know, the payment terms that you decide on, whether they're industry standard or not, ensure that you enforce them, ensure that you are abiding by them, um, both with paying your vendors on time, but then also, you know, receiving it um, and from your customers at the same time. I'm going to have to write a note to Haley that we should do an episode just on that in general the whole time. We might need some wine um, or some sort of uh, something to <laughs> take the edge <laughs> off when we talk about that. Yeah. Talk about uh, AP insurance, all that jazz. It'll be a fun topic, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, Rev the engines, Grace. Right. <laughs> let's talk about the supply chain task force because yeah. you know, I know we have been at the federal level, we have a tra- supply chain task force, and it, it sounds so cool, right? It sounds like a cool movie that people are coming together and, and trying to figure out the problems. And I know that you have such a good um, overall idea of what's happening, not just at like a local level, but at a global level as well. So, um, you know, what is the supply chain task force? Like, 
what is their overall job? Like, what do you guys do? What, how often do you meet? And, and what is the um, end goal for you guys as a whole? These task force, whether they're federal or they're statewide, um, they really have aligned goals and in the sense of making the security of our nation's supply chain a priority from a legislative standpoint, um, from specific recommendations, reviewing threats of our nation's supply chain and where there's gaps that need to be filled, um, both in the in the public private sector. Um, the Missouri task force is is really, you know, it's it's unique to Missouri because we are focusing on a lot of the issues that, you know, are um, specifically within the Missouri supply chain and transportation network um, and not even just issues, but advancements and opportunities. Right. Um, and so the Missouri task force is comprised of other stakeholders that, you know, we're identifying potential improvements and solutions to the supply chain. We're not leaving it up to just this federal um, supply chain task force because they're looking at much larger macro aspects of it. Whereas for Missouri, we really want to make sure that our state is is built up as much as possible for the advancement of transportation. Um, and so, you know, what the task force does here in Missouri, we're digesting a ton of data, Grace. I mean, we're looking at um, how many truckloads move, not just throughout Missouri, but how many of those truckloads are passing through Missouri versus originating and um, ending in Missouri. Um, and that a lot of that data is going to tell a story of where there's gaps, where we need to improve things. Um, for instance, you know, I mentioned on what the truck, one of the task force initiatives, as simplistic as it sounds, is super important. It's, you know, ensuring that truck drivers have a safe rest stop throughout different points in Missouri. And a lot of the times people don't realize that a lot of the funding that comes from federal um, to the state department of transportations, they're really driven on, you know, ensuring that those main corridors, the main highways and the main freightways are invested and protected. But then there's a lot of rural areas too, that there has to be involvement. There has to be progression. You want to see the rural areas start to develop, you know, stronger economies and transportation and supply chain has something to do with it. Um, so we are looking at, you know, where are, where are investments needed from a rural as well as from an urban area? Um, and then I'm really honored to be on this supply chain because I get to bring a global perspective. You know, the other members of, of the task force for Missouri, we have um, the president of um, associations that represent owner and operators, right? So the, they're, they're the voice for the truck drivers. We have um, an actual asset-based truck company. We have, um, you know, sort of quasi-governmental um, associates as well that are really important from looking at a policy. So for me, I'm able to bring in that global perspective of, Yes, there's issues in Missouri, but w most of the Missouri freight um, that comes in and out, it it's going globally, right? And so if we don't start to look at where those bottlenecks are and what those issues are before freight can ever get into Missouri or after freight leaves Missouri, um, you know, it's a huge miss. And so I'm really excited because we're putting forth um, different topics every month we meet. And it's open to the public. You can actually watch it online as well. And, you know, we're deciphering data. We're deciphering experience share. We're looking at stakeholders across supply chains to say, hey, bring your issues, bring your ideas. 
tell us what should work and what shouldn't. Um, and then, you know, one thing that I'm a big advocate of is disruption in terms of modes of transportation. I think, you know, what's really unique about Missouri is we're located sort of, uh, you know, in this Midwest hub of the country. And, you know, St. Louis was founded by explorers coming down the Mississippi River. And so, you know, yeah. we kind of have, as a nation, we have not built up our inland waterways nearly as strong as they should be when you when they're comparative to Asia and their inland waterways and how they can advance containerized cargo on river inland waterways. It's incredible. And so I do think that we are, are decades behind that advancement. And that's definitely something I'm bringing to the table is saying, you know, here's some stakeholders that we should really be looking at and ensuring that the red tape from, you know, a legislative aspect, at least, um, or a business aspect is taken away so that they have the ability to thrive and come forth into the environment and, and really start to bring solutions to the importers and exporters. That's really powerful. And I know that you're a particular part of a number of boards in this organization as well. If there's, you know, leaders out there that want to get more involved with, with groups like this, like how have you gone about making these relationships and, and being a part of all of these groups? Networking is key. It, it is always going to be the end all be all for me. I, I wouldn't even, we wouldn't be where we're at as a company without our network of supporters, agents, clients, um, and, and really, Grace, like I call it relationship logistics. And that's one of our core um, advantages is that we place so much time and effort into the relationships we build. Um, and I would say to anybody that, that is looking to get involved in situations and looking to get involved on, um, you know, different advisory boards and things like that, be aggressive and proactive, but also ensure that, you know, you're really putting yourself out there in your network and you're saying to the network, this is what we're good at. This is what we do day in and day out. If you ever need assistance with something, please reach out to us. Um, and that's actually how I was nominated for the board is, is through someone that was in my network who I've shown up to the trade events, right? I've sponsored um, St. Louis Freight Week because I, I want to get it um, more notoriety that you know the Midwest is a great transportation hub for for global trade. And so when you get involved with different aspects of your network and you put yourself out there in your network, a lot of these opportunities you'll find that they just you know come to you very naturally. Um, and and that's really you know how it kind of happened is is I really just um, stay heavily involved in our network. I love that, and you're. Uh, a great guest for all of our shows. I'm going to have get with Cassandra and we can do maybe like a girls gal chat and just talk about all the, the fun insights cool. that we talk about outside of these shows. And um, definitely going to have you on again in the future when Kaylee's here. Thank you so much for being a part of us and, and giving a lot of this great advice. I know there's a lot of uh, our audience is going to learn from you and others like you as well. Of course. Yeah. I'm always happy to, you know, sort of be an advocate of global trade. And um, I love education, as you know. And so if there's ever anything, you know, in the network of freight waves, anybody that wants to learn more about global trade or an aspect of it, I'm an open book and I I'm happy to share the knowledge and experience that we have. Thanks, Kaylin. Talk to you later. Thanks, Grace. All right. So everyone, prior to going into supply chain, I actually spent half of my uh, high school career and most of my college career working in government politics. And the most, the biggest thing I can tell you is just get involved. Google your next city council meeting, 
go see what they're working on, what infrastructure bills they're working on. It's so easy to get in, in, um, get in touch with your local representatives. They want to hear from you. You'd be surprised how often they don't hear from constituents on a daily basis. So if you want to be like Caitlin and become a part of a task force, just like she said, network, put that step forward, reach out to these people. A lot of your representatives want to hear from you. They just never get the opportunity. So pick up the phone and you'd be surprised what hear, you hear back. Uh, you know, uh, this week I'm going to have point of sale going as well. It's going to have a fun chat with Blue Yonder and how they're actually helping the cannabis supply chain, which I, I think is going to be a really interesting episode. So check that out tomorrow. And then, of course, for all of our fans here at Great Quarter Gals, Everyone, wherever you're listening to this, however you're listening to this, go and click subscribe, comment, like, shoot us an email, tell us what we can do better. We're always here for your advice and and your thoughts on content that we can have. We've got some great guests coming up. We've got Lily from Transfix coming down the pipe. We have some really great representatives from XBO coming our way. And of course, continuing to work on the CEO of UPS as well. But hopefully in the near future. Again, thank you everyone for checking out Great Quarter Gals and we will see you next week. One, two, three.